80s action movies on the cheap. By Daniel R. Butnick. This book explores the excitement, audacity, and sheer weirdness of 80s low-budget action cinema. Providing detailed commentary on 284 low-budget high-impact pictures. Available now. Adventure Super Train, episode 129. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode riding this train that's like the Super Train, but has gone on much longer than Super Train did. We are a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover short-lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. And in this episode, what are we doing? We are starting off with the, I don't even remember, is it the 7th or the 8th episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey? Is it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7? The 7th episode, Once a Tiger. And then we are going on to uh, a later episode of Battlestar I forgot the number of that one, too. 13, 14, Battlestar Galactica, War of the Gods, Part 2. And then we're going on to the very first episode of a brand new old show. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. You'll get to it when you'll get to it. Uh, but again, I'm Dan. I'm, I'm your main host, and I'm going to play you a little bit of the Gold Monkey theme, and uh, then I will introduce a little plot, and then uh, Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Rice, will be joining me, and uh, Mr. Christopher Bly will be joining me for Battlestar Galactica, and will be joining me for after that. Enjoy. Tales of the Gold Monkey, Episode 7, Once a Tiger, November 17th, 1982, written by L. Ford Neal and John Huff, directed by Winrick, Winrick Kolb. In this one, a uh, young gentleman who was part of the, uh, the squad that Jake was in uh, before he was injured and ended up flying this plane around, um, arrives on the island uh, and tells Jake that a plane crashed nearby with sort of top-secret important military weapons on it. The Japanese are after them, and the plane also contained a friend of Jake's. And could Jake and everyone please help find the plane and the guy? And that's what the episode is. It's, um... They they all travel to this island uh, filled with uh, natives and possibly Japanese somewhere, and they're looking for these weapons, and they're looking for this guy, and that's, um... That's really the whole story. Let me let me let me give you a little uh, burst of music here, and um, Chris and I are on the other side. Once a tiger, dot dot dot. The tales of the gold monkey continue. I'm Dam. I'm here with Kristen, aka Kiki Writes. Kristen, how are you? I am super, Dan. How are you? I'm doing all right. I want to know what you thought about Once a Tiger, dot dot dot. Um. Well, I will start with saying that I, too, worship Lance Legault, even when he's being a complete and total jerk, which is usually all of the time on every show I've ever seen him well, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're probably going to have to talk me into liking this episode a little more than I do. It's oh. not a bad episode, mm. I don't think. I think it's okay. 
I just am a little, I was a little bored throughout most of it until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's like very, um, we're talking about all the stuff that we need to do. We're finally getting to the place where we need to do it at. We're going to talk about the stuff that we need to do. That's yeah. It, and then we finally get to doing the stuff that we need to do. I, I, so, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. I, it, I'm sorry. I cut you off there with my understanding of what you were saying. <laughs> normally, normally, I normally, appreciate I, your understanding. normally I mute myself when you do that just because I'll let off. I'll go, ah, and things like that. And it's just annoying. This time I forgot to mute myself and I'd already said it. So, so feel free to continue. <laughs> it's just, like I said, I don't think it's a bad episode. I just think for me, I was just a little bored going through it. And, and, and it's kind of a drag because I love Lance LeGault and he's only in it a little bit. And I love W.K. Stratton and he's in it a lot more. But it's... I don't. Yeah, talk me into liking this one, Dan. What did you think of it? It's it's. I I think I like the scene where they're all standing around with the natives and they're exchanging gum and chocolate <laughs> bars. I thought that was funny, especially when they give the gum to Jake and Jake turns to Sarah and um and Corky and says real loud, "I hope you like spearmint." And <laughs> uh, well, my favorite. Um, I I think the thing with the episode is that it um. I don't think it ever quite. It it, it almost feels like, uh, like like a generic Tales of the Gold Monkey episode you'd see in like season three or four when they were running low on ideas. It just it it's 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 kind of underwhelming. It never it never like the Japanese are there the whole time. The natives are there. There's a traitor. There's all this happening, and then it just kind of ends, and they go, and you're like, huh? I don't feel like I got the. I feel like something, like like it was like the writers handed in a draft, and they were like, "This is great. We're gonna have to touch it up to add a little more excitement." No problem. And then they forgot to do that <laughs> because it 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 feels like like you know when it starts off and this this guy shows up and he's one of the the is it what 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 were they called the flying tigers or just the tigers? They're the flying tigers. It was um, a group of American pilots that were flying with the Chinese against the Japanese because for whatever reason the Japanese and the Chinese were getting into shit in the 1930s. Mm, okay. Um, the uh, and, and, and and so the guy shows up and it's, it's, as, as always it's, it's nice seeing one that has a link with someone's past although we've got more links with Jake's past than we have with everyone else's so maybe we could have got a link with someone else's past in this episode. Um, and, you know, and then the guy shows up it's like oh we're going to go to this island we're going to rescue this guy and there's some other stuff there that we need to get okay great and like you said there's a lot of setup there's a lot of flying there there's a lot of scenes of them walking through very similar looking to other episodes, jungly areas, with Japanese soldiers who may or may not be stock footage looking at them. And then finally they get to the natives, they find the guy, and then it's kind of over... It's... This this was a tricky one for me, because when I, when I watched it the first time, I thought, okay... This this didn't really grab me, but then Trunk from the Past didn't quite really grab the previous episode. I want didn't quite really grab me either. It, it struck, struck me as tonally a little weird. But Trunk from the Past, the second time I watched it, I thought as you did, this one's goofy. This 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 is just kind of goofy and, and strange. Whereas Once a Tiger feels like it feels unfinished, almost to me. It feels like there should have been 
something. I mean, I mean, it feels like there should have been more action. Uh, there should have been more happening. Um, you know, they find out this guy's the traitor, and then that that plot line just kind of goes off to one side and does its thing, and it's over. It and then and it's. Gosh, I wish I could convince you that you should like this one more, but I I just think it's it's. I don't know. Are we far enough in the show for us to have like average episodes? I mean, as in this is what the show does on an average episode, no better, no worse, kind of thing. Because this yeah, is because this is like episode. So yeah, maybe this is like we can call this the baseline. Okay, episode. yeah, I'd go, I'd go with that. Like this, if you go A through F, this is a solid C. And I don't mean, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't. I, I used to hate it when I got C's in school, but then I was a nerd. I can, you know, show you pictures of me being beaten up by all the jocks and everything to prove that. Uh, but, but I know, I know C is is generally like average. You know, that's it's it's and, and and that's this would be this would be a solid C episode of the show. It 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 does it does it's it is a. I having just said that, I thought it is a little dull. You're right. It could it could use some pick me up in it yeah um it's, it's just it it has no it's no no like spark to it there's no mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean, it yeah it's just you could put this on in the background and do other things and not really miss anything because yeah. it it, it feels really long it feels really slow because it is so much setup mm-hmm. and there's not as many good lines i don't think yeah, I, I, there's I, not I, enough humor, I think, to mm-hmm. at least give me something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, I was um, I just had a great thought, and now it's gone. Uh, <laughs> boy, what a great thought that was! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I, share it. Yes, yes, I was, I was going to say it. Um, it was um, yeah, yeah. damn it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody. I do this every once in a while. I have a great thought. And and um, but but there 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 is a it's 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 sort of underwhelming and it, it there's, I mean I will okay I will say this I will say this, it has something in it that I I absolutely love, which they don't make enough out of, and that is that little bridge over the swamp with some sort of tentacle monster in it. Yes, what was that? Was that kaiju? What the heck was supposed that supposed know. to be? I don't know what that was, but I love that so much. I, I thought, do too. why can't we put the entire, base the entire episode around that? Seriously. I just, when the guy falls in, and all of a sudden you just see there's a three or four tentacles like rip across the surface, and you hear this loud, and then the guy goes under, you're like, I want to have the episode just, can it just be, the whole episode just take place right here? Yeah. That would suddenly the episode, like the moment they go on, because they, because there's a swamp and there's this like it's not a bridge, it's like um a floating, um, thing. It, uh, yeah, they, I, hey Dan, it's a floating it a, thing. You're an idiot. A, a no, raft I'm, bridge. It's a raft, a raft bridge. bridge. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, you know, it's like if you if you ever went to summer camp or, or anything, you know, they would have those those like little raft wooden raft things like floating out in the middle of the lake that you could swim out to. It's like imagine that, but a bridge across the swamp. And they st- start stepping across, and they're like, "Oh, who, 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 who built this? Oh, well, you know, uh, why, why does it matter? You know, let's just thank them." And, and and then you think, "Why did they build that?" And then you realize because there's some sort of giant tentacly monster in there, 
And that is so much more intriguing than everything that happens in the episode that it's unfortunate because they clearly don't have the budget to show whatever it is. And I'm okay with not seeing it. I am perfectly willing. I'm sure there's some fan fiction online where they return to the island and you get to you learn what the monster is. Someone's drawn a huge picture of it and, and everything. But just the just the fact that like the episode is kind of very generic except for the giant tentacle monster in the swamp. What? Yeah, what? That, that was probably one of the best parts of the episode is just this random tentacle thing. Because when you first see him, it gets the Japanese guy. And, and Jake, or Jack, watches him fall overboard, over the off the bridge, and get eaten or torn apart or whatever happens to him. And he's just like, good for you. And he leaves. Like, you yeah. should not have been chasing us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, that happens, and you're like, what is in here? And you're thinking, because in the past, we've seen actual, like, real-life animals, like piranhas and and Mm -hmm. sharks and stuff. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be something I recognize. And then it's not. And you're like, I don't, what what comic book is this? Where where is it? What is this? Yeah, it's 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 so it's so great when you see it, and you think, now suddenly the episode has become interesting. And, um... And they, but they don't focus on it enough. There, there should have been a big scene on the bridge, like fighting and maybe like the tentacles flopping up onto the bridge. Or so. I don't care if it looks terrible. I want to see it. I want it just flying up there and like gra- maybe grabbing someone and starting to pull pull Sarah in or pulling Corky in. Jake, Jake, help me out! Help me out! Yeah, you know. And, and I, I don't care if we that. have to go full Roger Corman. Give yes. that to me. I want to see. I want to see that thing because. Yeah, because the episode is is it's is, is so. Av- I'm sorry, everyone. This is that's that's what happens with shows like this, right? I mean, how many episodes are there? Twenty two, twenty three. Um, yeah, something like that. And and so you're gonna have an episode like this. They were, um, you know, I'm sure when they were making it, they were like, "This is so cool," but it just it comes out a little. It's a bit of a dud. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. because it never, like I said, it never, and I don't mean this to be a plain side, but it never really takes off. It just sort of, it just sort of, there's a lot of setup, there's a lot of talking, there's a lot of flying, there's a lot of walking, there's a lot of Japanese soldiers creeping around, and then you find the guy, and that's the, the guy who, and every time I see him, what, what was his character's name? Do you, do you remember? His, um, I know he had one, just a second yeah. look. Um, are we talking about Lance Legault's character? Yes, yes. That was his name is Randall McGraw. McGraw, yes, yes, McGraw. Yeah, he's and he's he's and when when he when they bring him out, I will say that moment when they bring him out in the chair and he has like the face mask on. Mm-hmm. I thought that was sort of like some alien thing, like a you know, like a, like um you know, an alien when uh, is it John Hurt or whoever gets the thing on his face. <gasps> I thought that's. Oh, I yeah. thought that was some because it was from a distance. I thought, what did they put on his face? I was like, oh, that's just a mask thing. Okay, <laughs> it looked a little. And that guy, and he does. He looks a bit like an older version, a craggier version of Christopher Eccleston. As I because okay. in the in the opening scene where you can only see him through like a dirty the dirty um, mirrors windows on the um, on the plane for a split second. I thought. Was that Christopher Eccleston? Oh no, no, it's that guy. It's that guy. Okay, I know that guy. All right, um, 
Now, not that it has anything to do with anything, but um, but it's something interesting, which is what the episode <laughs> is. is a, no, it, it's 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 again. You know, everyone's giving it their all. Everyone's doing their thing. It's just when you get to the end of it, you're like, okay, well, I guess not every one of the tales can be good. Yeah. Some are, some are just going to be average. Mm-hmm. I mean, even – even I'm sorry. Yeah, it, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. It's just – there's a, there's a potential there, but we just never kind of yes. live up to it. Yeah. They can't all be bangers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, like um, like like uh, you know, Groucho Marx said, you know, they can't all be good. You've got to expect some bad mm-hmm. jokes every now and then, you know. And and it's like even even Homer, you know, it was like, oh, what's what's Homer going to do? Is he going to do the Iliad? Is he going to do the Odyssey? Oh, he's got a new one called My Dry Cleaning. <laughs> it's just about him talking about going to the dry cleaners, and everyone's sitting there going, oh, this ain't a great one, Homer. They can't all be good. Even like Homer told a bad one. You know, every once in a while. Not not all of Ovid's metamorphoses were great. Some of them stunk. <laughs> he did his best, but some of them stunk, you know? Oh. Uh, so so uh, what, what else do you have on this? I'm, I'm going to scan my notes. I think I, it, it, it's a tricky episode because it never it, because it never really takes off. If if uh, my notes are basically um, just basically tiger guy on a plane, tentacle monster, and then no more. <laughs> so... So, so that's um, got a little loosey goosey on the notes there. So, what else do you have? Yeah, um, I was surprised. I actually had stuff written down, but I think it was just so I could remember the episode more than mm, anything. Yeah, mm. it's not a memorable episode outside of the no. tentacle monster, really. Um, no. But I will say there was one thing. I don't know if you noticed it. You probably did. How? Uh, but there's because on the DVD it'll have like obviously this scene happened and then they cut to commercial. Mm-hmm. They did it with a scene where Sarah accidentally trips a booby trap and it oh, yes. sets it off, and she and and Jake go down to the ground to avoid getting creamed by this spiked branch. And it goes to commercial immediately, and then when they come back, they're at the plane that they were looking for, and it's like that is the weirdest freaking commercial. Yes, yeah. oh yes, yes, yes. I did notice that. I did notice that because you see the spike thing for a second. You go, whoa, that was huge, and then suddenly you're like, did I, did I, did I, I, I looked away, didn't I? No, I didn't. I was looking at the screen. No, you looked away. No, no. Yeah, yeah. and there was like no mention of that after that. Yes. They just suddenly at the plane, and oh hey, let's look around in here, and oh I think there's a corpse in in the front in the cockpit, but no, it's just a, a bamboo dummy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just like we're just gonna smooth over the fact that you were nearly impaled, okay? Yes. Maybe, maybe we were supposed to think that um, the the commercial break that it was run the show was in real time right there. So when it went to the commercial break in the world of the Gold Monkey, they were getting up and going past the spike thing, fighting the ship, and then we came back from the commercial break and caught up with them three or four minutes later. But in if if we were actually in the world. Of the gold mine, we would have seen what happened, but it got interrupted by commercials for whatever we had commercials for back then. Probably cars and cigarettes, and cabbage patch dolls, and frozen pizzas. Yeah, all good times. But yeah, no, you're, yeah, that's right. That's right. I should have written that down because that was such a that that like I said, that was a moment where I saw it and kind of my mind, my eyes saw it, but my mind didn't believe it because I thought that was weird. That was very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and um. Yeah, and this is this is the one with uh, 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 Jake and Sarah do get a, get a sweet scene. This is the one where he goes to the plane, right? And he sleeps out in the plane. Yes. And, and they have the sweet scene where um, uh, they uh, they're getting really close, and um, 
and uh, he says, yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to sleep on the plane unless there's anywhere else I can sleep. And, you know, you kind of get the feeling that she'd like to invite him in, but she doesn't. And then she gives him this real cute wave. I know, you know, I like her. So I think everything mm-hmm. she does is adorable. <laughs> and um, and he leaves. And it's, it's a sweet scene. It's 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 one of those scenes where, like, if if we were writing some sort of big book or, or doing I was going to say a big podcast we are doing that right now um, on, on, on Tales of the Gold Monkey this would be a scene and in fact I'm going to do this that we would say that's a lovely and important scene in their relationship boom mm-hmm. there I said it is, is it as exciting as the tentacle monster sequence eh, I don't know but it's sweet it's a sweet scene it's nice to see them together they clearly like one another but but for whatever reason um, they, they, they're getting more out of their relationship being kind of a sassy kind of thing uh, so because uh, yeah, so um, oh. they do argue quite a bit throughout yeah. the episode because the, what, the plane that they're flying that McGraw and his friend Kramer are flying um, are carrying these special scopes for the flying tigers oh, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why Jake wants to recover them is because McGraw's the reason why he can't fly in with the, the fighter pilots anymore and so he wants to get those scopes to him because that would be his way of helping out the tigers. Mm-hmm. And Sarah is aware of it because of her spy stuff, and she is um, she's got her doubts about Kramer. Mm-hmm. And at first, she says that she doesn't want him to go because he's been at you know at sea and he's weak and everything because he bit, when he ditched the plane and everything. But then we come out come to find out that he's a big old traitor, and she's like, yeah. "Yes, I told you." So. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you actually didn't. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, but they fight about it. So they, there's a, quite a few arguments that they have throughout mm-hmm. about all of this. But then that one little scene where, it's really, he's, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's a really sweet scene. So they, you know, they really do like each other, even though they do have the stereotypical bantering and bickering. Mm-hmm. That happens. And I, th- I think the thing, yeah, the thing why I like that scene is that you, you, um, uh, you almost expect um, the, uh, you know, until, uh, you know, until a point which isn't in the series, as far as I know, where they do sort of hook up, as it were. Um, the their the, their thing is they're always kind of like arguing and arguing and maybe getting a little closer. They're pushing each other away and then arguing, and that's the fun and that's the the joy of it. But this scene is really kind of like them, like almost like they didn't know the cameras were on. You know, if Tales of the Gold Monkey were like a like um like a documentary or something. You know, like a reality show. They didn't know the cameras were on. And they just have a really sweet scene together where they sort of let their guard down. And it's a nice scene and she gives him the wave and he he goes and sleeps uncomfortably in the plane. Uh, but it's all part of the fun because they'll see her again in the morning and they can joke about it, uh, but they still have the memory of that sweet scene. Um and um and it's nice. It's it's a nice it's a nice but I'm glad we mentioned it because that's the kind of thing we should be doing. <laughs> or yes. I should be doing. That's the kind of thing I should have written down. I should have written down that that scene happened. <laughs> I got caught up I got caught up in the, the looseness of everything and the the, the monster. So what yeah. what else do you have on this? I think that that is literally I've said um, all the notes that I have. Well, can we talk about Corky? Because he is my yes, favorite please, outside please. of Jack. So once again, Corky is the one who figures out that uh, Kramer is a bad guy because they're in the plane looking for whatever weaponry they can find. They find some smoke bombs. Thanks, Jack. Once again, saving the day. 
then Corky's up by in the cockpit by the instrument panel, and he go and he realizes that whatever frequency that Kramer was doing Mayday on wasn't their frequency; it was the Japanese yes. Imperial mm-hmm. Army one. So that's how they figure out that he's a bad guy, and he bails. So yeah. they don't even get to confront him about that because yeah, he's yeah. later chased through the jungle by the Japanese because they think he's an enemy, but he's really on their side. But they all, you know, all white people look alike to them, and <laughs> they end up shooting him, and he falls into the tentacle monster's pond there, mm-hmm. and I guess gets ripped to shreds mm-hmm. by the tentacle monster. So once again, we have Corky mm-hmm. figuring it out. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Another one that's that's chalked out. That's going on my list. Another one to Corky. Right <laughs> Another there. Another notch for Corky. Another notch for And I do wonder, like, the tentacle monster, will it only attack live stuff that falls in? Or, like, if he was dead when he hit the water, would it have maybe grabbed him and then kind of thrown him? Thrown, nah, this one's dead. I only, you know, I'm, I'm making up this whole background story for the tentacle monster. In my <laughs> because head. it was truly the most interesting part. It was the most interesting part. Yeah. I mean, there are there are some the um I will say the uh like like the scene where they like like I said earlier the scene where they meet the natives. It's all at night. It's really well lit. It's really well done, and um it looks pretty expensive and spacious for what is just a weekly TV show. So I like that. So, but I almost think maybe they shot the whole budget on that and then when they came to try to build a tentacle monster, they're like, "Oh, we got is tentacles." Okay. Good enough. There you go. Good enough. Good enough. Just run them along the top of the water. The kids will go nuts for it. Spielberg can get away with not showing the shark through most of Jaws. We can get away True. with yes. just not throwing showing most of the tentacle monster throughout yes. this episode. Yes. It's fine. Uh so uh, what else do you have? Do you have tri- trivia or anything on this one? Um, I have, well, I've got one more little thing oh, that I want to mention, and, and it's a funny thing about Quirky, and then I have some trivia. So the opening and closing scenes of the episode, uh, it's island dentistry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> if the dentist apparently is a, a little on, he's been sipping his own antiseptic whiskey there, it looks like, because he's wobbling. But Corky's supposed to get some dental work done at the very beginning, and he tries to leave. And Jack's like, "Do or Jake's like, do you want to get? You lose your spot in line." He's like, "Yes." <laughs> and then at the end, he goes through with it, and they said something to the effect that he was in the dental chair for like three hours, mm. and it's like the most crudest, like torture marathon man dental stuff that's yeah. happening. And I feel so bad for him. And he can't drink cold beer. He can't have anything cold for a week. So he sets the beer aside because warm mm. beer is fine too. Yes, yes. And I yeah. liked that we opened and, and closed the episode with, with that little that. bit. It, it's a little bit of local color too, which is which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought that was that was good. And we did get some backstory with Jake and Lance Legault's character. Mm-hmm. McGraw, since he's responsible for Jake not being able to fly, and he's mean to Corky. Yeah, he is. He is. He's like a total rude ass to him. And so, <laughs> when he comes back and he's sitting at the monkey bar with them, Sarah like wants to call him out on being a dick, and Jake's like, "It won't matter. It's yeah. not going to change him." And that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so, not like he's going to be in the next episode. So, no. so all you, all you have to do is deal with him up until the freeze frame, and then he's gone. And if you, yeah, and if you've ever seen Lance Legault in literally anything, this is the kind of character he plays. He's he plays, technically yeah. a good guy, but he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got that face. It's that face, yeah. Yes, 
he does. Mm -hmm. So my little bit of trivia is I have uh, – it's actually Magnum P.I. and uh, uh, Black Sheep Squadron trivia because Lance oh. Legault, um, he was Colonel Buck Green on Magnum P.I. He's actually the one who's responsible for Max's death on that show and for oh. the reason for Jeff McKay being on this one. Oh. And he was – also in the uh, pilot episode of Black Sheep Squadron, or Baba Black Sheep. W.K. Stratton was, uh, he played Lieutenant Larry Casey on Black Sheep Squadron with Jeff McKay. Jeff McKay played Don French. And he was in the pilot episode of Magnum P.I. as well as another episode. Thank you. That was good trivia. Thank you. <laughs> I, I've got one more thing about the episode. And okay. that And that is... Um, as everyone's chewing gum and talking to the natives, Sarah is the only one who's really like going at it throughout, chewing the gum. Because when it cuts to them, sometimes it's like Corky isn't chewing. Then it cuts back to Jake, he ain't chewing. The natives aren't chewing. But Sarah, up until she has to give her watch, she is. But then she becomes angry. Um, she's always chewing. So there's a bit where she's saying something and she's chomping away on the gum. And but there is one native extra in the background who keeps chewing too. But 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 there's just a shot where like everyone has a piece of gum. And I thought, did you all immediately swallow the gum, or you don't do that? <laughs> oh, the, the, the natives wouldn't know, and it wouldn't hurt the natives that much. I mean, it's not like they're no. chewing gum all their lives or anything like that. But but I do like that. Even, even it just cut back to him now. He's handing Jake's handing the guy the candy bar, and no one's chewing except for one extra in the background and Sarah. Sarah, Sarah was in it to win it. She was going to yeah, sell it. She, she's she's having, oh, and there she is chewing away. She's adorable. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, for so, all, and for all their efforts, Jake only got a necklace. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so if that, is that all? Is that, that all, Gia? That's all for me. Okay. So not yet. It, it, this, we're going to call this our average baseline episode. And we'll go, I don't know what the next one is called, but but we'll go off of that. And we'll, we'll use this as our... Um, yeah, as the base. Is it is it better or worse than Once a Tiger? Dot, dot, dot. Or we'll probably actually forget that we did that with the next episode, but I'm saying it right now. Um, <laughs> and if I can remember, I will try to remember. So, so Chris, where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiraids.com. It is the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiraids.com. And if you want to listen to me go on and on about this tentacle monster in real time, yes. you can do that by following me on Twitter at kikiraids. All right. And um, next up, unfortunately, I do not have, and it's on the next disc. We're going to disc three, it everybody. It is Honor Thy Brother. Oh, okay. Excellent. All right. Um, I wonder whose brother it'll be. I don't no, want to not know. Mine. Uh, yeah, not mine. Not mine. Um, do you think they'll start off just like this one, with like they're all sitting around and a plane arrives and it's Jake's brother or Sarah's brother or Corky's brother or Jack's brother? Oh, I'd love it for it to, for it to be Jack's brother. That would be fun. That would be fun. Um, so, uh, um, uh, uh, boop, boop, boop. I don't remember what's next in this episode, everyone. But we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Um, and uh, next time, honor thy brother. And next up is this. Battlestar Galactica, episode 14, War of the Gods, part 2, written by Glenn A. Larson, directed by Daniel Haller, January 21st, 1979. And we continue on with the Iblis character, played by um, uh, Patrick McNee, who is sort of... A, I, we, we talked about him all through the last, so sort of this weird uh, godlike uh, character. Um, and he gradually, throughout this episode, um, takes control of the 
uh, Galactica and, and sort of takes control of the fleet and everything over from Adama. Uh, but and meanwhile, those mysterious lights we mentioned last time still are flying around and it still seems to be scared of them. And as this sort of influence is spreading across all the ships in the Galactica, uh, 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 Starbuck and Apollo uh, realize that the... Um, the the key to all this is on the planet that red planet where they found Iblis and that that ship that was downed so they go to try to find out his secret as he slowly takes everything over Christopher and I are on the other side of this uh, we spoke on the last one about how this kind of reminded us a little bit of the original star first Star Trek movie mm. uh, out there well where some of this leads to almost goes into the fifth Star Trek movie as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that we have somebody who basically is looking towards a higher place, is persuasive, is charismatic, is sucked in by certain people, but somehow it gets to a certain point and then... Well, just the way it does narratively, but not the episode. The episode gets to a point and then we're kind of left kind of uh, a little bit on the blue sky kind of um, mm-hmm. mysticism, if you will, on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I Well, what this doesn't have that Star Trek V has is about a half an hour of William Shatner crawling around elevator shafts and things. <laughs> Once so, again, yeah, referring from the Fire and Space one that we covered a couple episodes yes, ex- ago. Yes, exactly. I was, I was forget. I, I, uh, I saw that when it came out in the theater, and I hadn't seen it since since uh, about a year ago. And I sat there watching, going, I forgot how much of Shatner in this like the second act is just him like crawling around in this guy's. Well, it's hideout. him directing it, so obviously, yeah, so, know, he's yeah, pretty he's, proud he, of the tunnels. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so my thought on this one. Um, yeah, Glennie Larson does go very much into the mysticism of this with angels, and um, as as you start to piece together, as well, Adama puts forward the theory, and we're going to spoil it here, but it's Battlestar Galactica, folks, so so, so yep. let it go. But but Adama puts forward the theory that these these white lights that we're seeing that attack everything, that, but that don't attack everything, kind of monitor everything are in fact angels of some variety whether or not they're angels as in the way we know them with giant wings or advanced beings um that have the um you know the technology that looks like magic to us well i would think you know too here's another way to kind of look at it is it kind of reminds us of uh the angel from it's a wonderful life and the fact that we only saw it kind of as a dot oh yeah originally yeah Mm-hmm. And then in kind of in another way, you know, it shows another form later. Yes, yes, I, I like that, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and, and with, the, with the concept of this crystal castle in the end being the place where these angels live, and they're taking on board people that need assistance or need some sort of um, help, and that Ebly, the count is the count is one of them, but he might be one that's fallen. If you get my drift. Ooh, and remember, you know, they, they're calling for a truce. Now, the one thing you got to watch out for is truce always always means watch out for Cylons. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the episode, I, th- I think, I'll, I'll be honest, I think this is, this is, um, uh, this is sort of kind of one of Glenn A. Larson's, I think, possibly best episodes of anything that I've seen him having written, because he he he, I think he really goes into a place that he likes writing about, 
That's that's the feeling I get when he brings up the angels and then who is the count and and the final sequence with these robed figures and everyone's in white and they're, and they're talking to them. I really think this is sort of an area that he... I, I don't know, I could be full of junk, but I feel like this is an area that he must have really adored writing. And, you know, you get that thing with writers where, you know, like... um. You know, like they're writing. Like I'm sure he loved writing Night Night Rider. I'm sure he did. Well, but he, he that, loved making his imagination run wild. That's for damn sure. Yes, and but I don't. I don't think sort of personally, it probably hit his home as much as like this episode mm-hmm. with the angels and the fallen angel and and this this place where um, if if you're if you're good and you're honorable and you're trying to be trying to help you can be resurrected um and and just all this stuff is this um it's really it's a bit heady almost for um you know a show that would have been out against like the dukes of hazard or something like that because i'm sure there wasn't an episode where the duke boys die and go to like heaven or something well, it wasn't like, that. like a like a relative you know it's like we didn't we didn't yeah. see like enos uh, kind of bite the bullet you know with uh, some yeah, some try, kind of bullet in the, the neighborhood of uh, try to jump the bridge he County. doesn't make it and then he's he's in a white hazy place or something yeah it's but i i really i the thing i like about these two episodes is this really feels to me and i, I said in the last one that at this point in the show when glenn a larson is writing them he's writing them i think to sort of guide the show the way he wants it to be and this is very much it's very much uh it's very uh, biblical it's very religious uh, but not like a way where you sit there and go oh come on knock it off if if you're yeah, not really, you know you're not you're bothering me it's it's done i mean like you know like when they're standing there shooting the count and he keeps changing into this lizard like thing you're like okay well then maybe that's not quite what i expected devilish to, yeah exactly so so there is he's keeping it he's keeping it you know, if you just watch the BJ and the Bear, you're also going to enjoy this. But I think this is a, feels a little more closer to his heart, possibly mm-hmm. for what he he like he would have wanted to write. Could he have, you know, not have? To, you know, I always say like maybe Manimal after a few seasons would have been this wow. gorgeous <laughs> epic thing. You know, like but but you know, it's just like. It, it's nice. It, I like the episode because it really feels like a, a, a not one of my favorite writers, but a good writer tapping into a place where he feels his at his most comfortable writing and where he feels like he can tell his best story. And okay. I don't, I don't know if this is his best story. I still prefer the first, the BJ and the bear two hour TV movie, but that's yeah. me being a jerk. And then, you know, basically you got to say, is this an exciting conclusion or is this a yes. collusion? Oh, hmm. I don't know. I, um, I think, I think, um, <clears throat> Well, it's tricky because with the Battlestar Galacticas, I don't know that any of them have really gotten to an ending where I've stood up and, and gone crazy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they all sort of, qu- quite a few of them, when they get to the ending, they kind of, kind of like, oh, okay, that's the ending. It's not bad. It's not particularly good. It's a good, a decent ending. I think this one is actually pretty good because the ending isn't the final meeting with, with the Count. The ending is the meeting with these weird a- angelic beings. And it's funny because the angelic beings look a bit like if somebody went into the costume department and took some of the costumes from Logan's run and decided, you know, mixing that up with what the, yes. assume the Superman Kryptonian security look like. Yes. It was, it was kind of a mix of the two, you mm-hmm. know, that. And it's and it's funny because the the fact that that scene is not that's not it's not a brief scene, 
It's about five minutes long. Well, and that, here's another good question. We, I mean, not not to get towards uh, the end too quickly, but you oh, know, sure, we'll, sure. I'll throw it out there anyway. Um, we don't know who voiced uh, the final voice in this. Of speaking, that I mean, I've looked on oh, yeah. almost every resource, and we still don't know. I mean. I don't know if it was Glenn A. Larson himself, but Ooh, somebody who yeah. kind of plays the godly voice going like, uh, I don't see a credit on, I looked very hard at the IMDb. I even mm -hmm. looked on Battlestar uh, Wikipedia mm -hmm. or, or Galacticopedia, whatever you want to call it. And I, I said, I don't see anybody credited with that voice. It's oh, just very surprising. Mm -hmm. So it's it, a mystery. If you're out there and you happen to seriously did the voice of um, the godly one of the Crystal Castles uh, mm -hmm. there, uh, give us a line, you know, and uh, check us yeah, out give here. Yeah, give a shout. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give email and stuff at the end of the episode. You you can uh, give us a shout. Yeah, it's I I think it's um I I think I mean to me it's he's specifically he he's couching um angels and he's couching forgive me Satan. I gave that away. That oh, sure, double, double angel. It's not on somebody's yeah. shoulder, but you know, it's certainly you know throughout. You know, he's right because the thing about Ebley is that he's he's presented as being he's so charismatic. Oh, that smile! And I thought Patrick McNee. I guess so. Yeah, I remember him and Diana Rigg of the Avengers. They were John Steed after all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so um um, but it's it's sort of he he presents the the sort of the biblical and the sci-fi context where I don't think these are angels as we know them. He's not the devil as we know them. They are beings from uh, I I actually think of them as being from like possibly the universe before ours or something mm. like that. And you plays know that, two sides practically. Yeah, that had different that had completely different sort of powers and things like that who who continued into our universe not only that i think to me it was just a great scene where baltar is in the i guess plastic prison barge if you want to call oh, it yeah, that yeah. Mm -hmm. and then he hears that voice he's going like oh my god are you could you it's like you're like yes. that kind of thing there and then this great effect where you see him crossing over and you say okay there's something more to this count than usual because he just went in and then when he when Balto oh, yeah. looks again, doesn't see him again. So it's kind of like one of those. He hears the voice and it is torturing him as much, saying like, "Oh my God, this sounds like our imperious leader. Maybe you, maybe maybe some kind of we marvel at our technology." And that kind of clued into what would become probably the later incarnation of saying they found another way for a Cylon to be impressed with their technology so much that they took on another form. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. So it was kind of hinting at that very, very, very tiny, but just kind of more like somewhere along the line in some kind of history of this, mm -hmm. so this will be tapped upon. No yeah. pun intended, because, you know, uh, Patrick Meany, after all, was the manager, was the promoter for uh, Spinal Tap, Tap yes, Into that's America. Right. That's right. So basically, yeah. he tapped into it right over here on, yeah. on this episode as well. Dennis Eaton Hogg, gotta love him. Mm, uh, so uh, what, what else about this one? There's the... Um... There, there is the fact that um, everyone, Adama doesn't quite, but everyone but Apollo seems to really, um, at one point or another, be like, "Hey, I like this count. He's a nice guy." I mean, he, 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 he throws a party for them, mm. and they're all they're all wasted what? the next morning. Their own version of the conga line back again. Yes, yes, exactly, and they're all wasted. And he does he does that thing where. Um, uh, He's he's gotten every, all the all the all the flyers wasted except Apollo, and so when the klaxon goes off and those white orbs are attacking them again, Apollo is trying to get 
the guys awake, and then Ibli strolls in, strolls in and says, what is wrong with all of you? You know, what are you doing? The, the, the klaxon is going off. You have to go out there, and you have to do this, and Apollo almost gives him a new one. If you know what I mean, I'm being yes, calm. Starbuck was almost tempted. Look out! You know, yes, he's yes. Like this, you know, the, the the scandal in him, and now, of course, complete with cigar. We finally see that cigar yes. pop back up again. And he has the cigar, and then and then I think I think immediately, sort of the count can spot. Okay, I think I can get this guy, but I don't think I can get Apollo. And there's that great moment where um, uh, they're in like the the everyone is dancing and they're doing some weird dance with string, or something yeah, or rope. Are they know. doing like the roller coaster at that they're, point? They're, they're doing. I don't like know what the it. hell they're doing. <laughs> they're doing something goofy after the um, triad game, and and um, there's a moment where um, uh, the count is trying to explain to Apollo and Starbuck, and Starbuck is convinced that you know we should all relax. Baltar is here, and everything's great, and Apollo is um, not fully convinced. Well, not convinced at all, and Starbuck isn't quite convinced, and and Sheba says to them, "Oh, you guys, you just don't get it, do you?" Mm. And it's like Sheba, no, no, now's not. Yeah, the as time. A, but also too, there was you know, it's almost like, yeah, it's like the cult leader has finally come into town, and everybody, yes. you know, and Sheba, let's face it, Sheba did have a bit of the Kool Aid. So. Yes, she did. She did. She's got. She's wearing this. Uh, through a lot of it, she's wearing this kind of. I like it. Purple dress, mm. and she kind of just hangs out a little too close to the count for my tastes, yeah. and. Um, and it is it, there's interesting stuff too where you can see the moment where um and it's, it's funny because I don't know I I really do think like some of the scenes in this Glenn A Larson's writing is a step up from yeah. what he normally does. It's like yes, yeah, you know, I think she's a lovely girl, but I'm warming her up for the next guy. You know, yeah, like, yeah. And there's there's the moment where yeah, Shiva and Apollo are, are dancing and they're they're dancing with these ropes or whatever the hell this dancing is. And and she's just saying like you got to have some fun. Come on, have some fun. And he say, uh, oh no, she said no. She, I'm sorry. She says, are you jealous? And he, he says something. Like, are you serious? Do you think I'm thinking this because I'm jealous? You know, we got eight guys went missing. Eight of my soldiers are disappeared. And all you all are doing is dancing around with freaking ropes like idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's basically basically it's the the quasar Congo line with yeah. like the cat's cradle. Listen, and, I mean, last time I saw something like that was at the beginning of The Odd Couple with uh, Felix and Oscar. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's and it's 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 uh, it's it's fun. I I, I like the episode because it goes along as it has like you have that big um, right right before the scene where where Apollo is trying to wake everyone up and and Ibley shows up and is a jerk. There's a scene where um, they're <laughs> the camera pans over everyone in the um bridge, and there are only like three people there, and they're all clearly like wasted. Where the hell is everybody? Yes, where is everybody? Remember, the explanation was that they were overdosed with pleasure. Pleasure, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and you wonder sort of at the end of the day if 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 Ibley had just taken over, what exactly would have happened? Would it have been bad if if he could have stopped all the bad things from happening? And there's at least two references to Hades in this. If you notice, you know, in both parts, they both reference Hades. In this. Mm-hmm. What in the Hades happens? Like we call it? Yes, so you're kind of yeah. saying to yourself, hmm, we kind of have a devilish quality com- coming in here, particularly yes. about this, this uh, count coming on there. Yes. And, and it does it does have uh, 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 it does do a bit that I, I like near the end where they realize that he can read their minds and so they're all having to do stuff like Adama. Adama does a great thing where um, in the previous episode um, uh, the count moves some sort of thing across a table 
Yeah, it's like it almost looks like a duck practically. Yeah, exactly, like a glass duck and, or something. And I like said that. to myself, I said, "Well, geez, the one thing that's only missing over here is the Ouija board." You know? Oh yes, yeah. And and Adama has a moment where he moves something, too, mm. and he explains to his son that it's it's mind over matter, you know. But but uh, Ibli has has much better, and it's because he's not nice. Yeah, and then the light energy made the plants grow. Possibly, you know, like yes. the possibility that they've grown so fast in the vegetation. Mm. Also, once again, refers to another Star Trek movie, the third movie, when they talk about the Genesis effect. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So once again, like I said, yeah. this episode was on the mind, you know, I think to think of a couple of future chapters of Trek. Could have been, I would say, yeah, yeah. And I, I the, um, and it's it's fun. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of great acting in this one, too. Like when Patrick I tell you, Min- yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, specifically, I said I Dirk Benedict's. And 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 Lockhart both have yeah. a very emotional performance in here. Yes. And also, I said uh, Richard Hatch as well. I think the three yeah. of them, you know, along with you know, well, unfortunately, we get Boomer disappearing amidst everything. But you yes. know, it gave an opportunity for these three to kind of really shine, particularly when they get to the like before and after the Crystal Castle. There. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There. It's. It's. Um. I. 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 I um. And I think. I think Lauren Green has some of his best looks. Mm. that he gives uh, the count here like when the count says something like you know um you know you uh, when he he says you know call off your son thank you you've just saved your son's life and and and, and adama looks at him like what did you just say what was that and then when he ch- he doesn't chase but when he follows the count out in the hall you you think for a second he's going to yell at him like no, what the hell are you doing talking to me and my son like that? But he doesn't. He just goes right up into his face, and he's a little shorter than Patrick McNee, and he just says, what are those things outside, and what are you? <laughs> and it's it's nice because it's In not, one it's, sentence, and only could be best executed by Lauren Green. Yes, He doesn't exactly. go too Ben Cartwright on them, but, you know, goes no. right enough. And it's, it's just, and for a split second, you can see the Count be like, huh. But then, of course, you know, he's might be an evil fallen angel so he he could throw lauren green across the room but that's why you have hoss to yep. come in and <laughs> womp him uh, but uh but yeah this this um what what else do you have in this i'm, I'm gonna scan my notes i just think well, i yeah we we never see the the what's in the wreck so she never yeah. gets to see you know what is this dooming thing i mean i almost kind of thought of there was a great twilight zone episode like earlier it was one of their one hour episodes called death ship Yes, and I always yes. thought that maybe the idea is they saw themselves dead in that, oh, in that wow. thing. That maybe you know was just kind of an indicator saying like you don't want to see this. You know, mm-hmm. this guy is not telling us what he say, says he's going to, and this is another reason why. The other thing too is also that maybe this guy was imperious leader and he shed his skin, so to speak, of his of the serpentine yes. form and became human form in this way. As we were talking about That's before, true, when yeah. we said that uh, they were so impressed with their technology that they found ways to kind of change their look and change their appearance yes yeah oh yeah yeah that that thing with what was inside the ship was something where both times i watched it right before we we talked about it here i thought did i miss what was inside the ship did i did i i I thought maybe i looked away it's just it takes apollo going down for sheba to finally like wake up and say like no i'm not going along with you and why you know it's Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess we his ultimate demise is basically just beaming away. I guess you could call it that. You know, it's, just like fading. Yeah, it, it's basically it's basically if if the angels are there to seek him out, mm. and they have to sort of like um, 
Uh, again, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Doctor Who reference, but the eleventh hour episode of Doctor Who, which is about Prisoner Zero hiding out in a small English village, and there's this gigantic eyeball spaceships that are looking for him, but they're they're very specific on what they're looking for, and Prisoner Zero can change his form, so so the Doctor has to be cl- very clever in the end, so they can they can zero in <laughs> on him. Um, uh, so th- that's that's what this is like to me is that the um, uh, you know when when they talk about like Adama talks about like when when Apollo says well you know you know that I'm going back to his planet there and find out what's going on what if he reads your mind and he says well I'll just fill my mind with nonsense mm. you know I'll just fill it with all sorts of stuff and he'll never be able to sort through it and I always think that's what it is when when um uh they they know the the angels know he's there. But he needs to have a moment where he's fully exposed. And that moment is when he kills Apollo. Mm. And they're swarming in on him, but they're a little too slow. There's too much going on. There's a lot of emotion happening. And he's able to take advantage of a moment and vanish. So they mm. will continue to they will continue to go after him. But first they're gonna save the gang who um called him out and was able to face up to him, as it were. Mm. And then, you know, they're, they're brought back to the Cosmic Heaven. Once again, referencing Star Trek Three, saying like, hey, we need to bring uh, Spock up to the uh, – for his Kotra that was not mm-hmm. lost. And we mm-hmm. need him to go up to Mount Salea in order to be brought again to like have yes. new life in him. And basically this is kind of like going up to Mount Salea, you know, in that case, but being in the Battlestar Galactica universe in this Crystal Castle kind of thing yes. there where they're basically bringing him there. And then once he comes about, there is that, you know, your name is Jim moment because they have – that Roman handshake between Apollo and Starbuck. Yes, that was lovely. Boom. Yeah, that was really that was a really lovely moment because I didn't I didn't think Apollo was dead, but they they don't immediately bring him back to life. It's six or seven minutes, yeah, they, they, or they more, bubble or up more. a little bit, but not too much. It's like you simmered it just enough to just kind of like get it interesting and not too much to a boil and not too obvious, but just yes. kind of like let it glide in. Just enough, just so that it's not like you know. Okay, we know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's They found a pretty good middle there. So. Yes. Exa- exactly. Uh, and um, and I got. Do you have anything else? Because I was just going to bring up one more thing. Uh, well, they're all in white, so there's nobody else in the different. That's, thing. Yeah, that's that's interesting because they gave them all the white suits. I'd like to think those sold on eBay for a lot of money at one yes. time. Yes. Yes. A white of them, and then the and the, the light of <laughs> the light white. of good and truth all comes to a cosmic chasm conclusion mm-hmm. yeah so we will um i would just say the last thing is sure. and this is so so what is it so do do we learn the third thing is what the council asks of i don't Evely? think yeah, i don't think we know that third test but yeah. you know, i don't know maybe it was if he sucked everybody in and everybody believed him who knows? You know, it's like it's yeah. It's, could you it's, drink me under the table or something like that? Yes, or or maybe it's kind of like you know the the question that the time machine leaves is like you know okay what what three books would you have you know? Oh, oh yeah the, yeah yeah yeah. What what are your desert island albums? Oh mm-hmm. rumors? Oh fantastic, Ebly. Oh come on, out uh, of the blue, yellow. <laughs> come on. Oh yeah, I take that. I take that. Um, uh, <laughs> Even um, one part says, "Please turn me over." You know, <laughs> um. I, I don't remember what I was saying. Um, e Bibli and the oh no 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 the very so so they don't I don't think we ever learn what the third one is, um, but the first one is bring us the person who betrayed us, mm-hmm. and the second one is 
help us get us to Earth. And at the very end of the episode, when Apollo Starbuck and Sheba are both saying, we can't tell you exactly what happened. There's some sort of... Does he describe it as like a vortex in his mind or like something where he can't... But they, um, they said for anybody that disappeared, they said, like, you know, well, whenever you ask them about it, they'll have a logical explanation as to where they were. You yeah, know? And, and, they, and I think and, they questioned Boomer at the end. And he says something kind of prolific, but it still kind of makes you a little like, OK, that's still puzzling. Yeah, you know? yeah thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the great thing is, at the end, they're talking about they, they do. And so so Sheba and Apollo and Starbuck are standing behind Adama. And behind them is like the big window to space, and everyone's having um, a nice meal. And Boomer's the only one who isn't like using a coaster. And it's like, come on, Boomer. <laughs> uh, and, but there's a moment where someone mentions, I think Cassiopeia mentions like the coordinates of Earth or something. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, one by one, Apollo, then like Sheba and Starbuck say the coordinates of Earth. And they all kind of. It leaves Andama on on the freeze frame of. He gets the freeze frame. He gets the big JR freeze frame, and he he kind of turns like, what? And all I'm hoping is, God, I hope someone wrote that down because I've forgotten it already. I would hate someone to say the coordinates of Earth. But can you give us that again? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) One more time. I didn't. I didn't. Hopefully someone's writing it down, or hopefully someone will remember it. Say it. Say it. Come on. We can't. We can't rely on our brains. Yes, it is. I think I think possibly whatever force those angels that gave them that information would probably let them have it a second time. Or it'll I, kind of be like Charles, like George Burns' God, be like you take the picture of it, it looks clear, but then when you develop it, nothing, nothing's there. You know? Yes, yeah. So, so, so that's kind of a lovely moment there because I think the thing about a show like this too is that it's um, there's a destination, but the show isn't about the destination. Mm. A lot of times it's about the side stories and the characters and the things like that. But you want them to acknowledge the destination and move closer to it. Yeah, while, so, while you're on the journey. Yes. yes. And so an episode, you don't want it to be like, say, a modern day show, which is so serialized that, like, if you miss one episode, you're completely lost. Or if it gets canceled before the story's done, you're like, ugh, I just wasted my time. They never you, resolved it, damn it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and there's some stories, there's some stories if you don't resolve it, um, it's okay. Battlestar Galactica, they do resolve it in Galactica 1980, luckily, but there are other shows, well, there are plenty of shows. <laughs> I, I was going to say, until the TV movies, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, or uh, I could also say, too, V never got resolved. Yeah, exactly, either. exactly, V never got resolved, and there's a fun show with Frank Converse called Cornette Blue. Um, oh, that yeah, that's uh, Larry, Larry, Cohen. Larry, uh, Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen, yes. And that never got resolved either. But people, that came out on DVD like a year ago. Mm. People still watch it. People still love it because there's a, there's a, there's a destination, but it's not, the, um, it's not the full purpose of the show. The journey is as important. Yeah. But the thing about this one is that you get a, I think you get a really good story. And then at the end, you get like, wait, what? We got, you, got, you just gave us the coordinates? All right, let's let's continue on, and maybe the next episode will have a famous um, hoofer. In. Well, here's the thing: I say they asked Adama during, uh, Adama during this thing. They say like, "What should I tell them? What should I tell uh, the count? I'm going to sleep until further notice." <laughs> yes. And further pleasure spreads, and there's no song and dance in that because Fred Astaire joins in on the yes. on the next battle star. Yes, yes, and it's it's a it's a single part episode. I remember it being one I quite enjoyed. Um, 
but we'll find it when we get to it. So, so Chris, if you uh, do, you have anything else on War of the Gods Part Two? Uh, I'm, I think that's pretty much uh, a war that's been resolved and Excellent. in the history books, and um, for those to further read and view. So. <laughs> I've been choking this whole time. Um, what? Uh, what? Uh, wh- where are you? How are you? What? Where are you? What's happening? Tell us what's happening online. This. Where are we? It's sometime in June of 2022. Wow. Mm. I hope everyone's doing all right. Yes, where, and the summer is, is quite uh, baking and everything else like that. Yes. It's still kind of bipolar with the the weather, but you know mm. we're we're bearing up with it. It is June after all. And in this June, you can find me Facebook.com/slash Captain Bly. And also on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd, Captain Bly76, we've got our first view. And this summer, we've got 100 movies. And they're all coming from this summer forecast of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We could repeat a decade, but we want to spread it out a little more. And we've, I'll tell you, we've had a lot of fun with, it, with some of these things that we've been covering. I tell you, just look on there. Look it up. Read, read some reviews. There's some good. There's some just okay. But plenty worth reading and plenty worth viewing. Awesome. Welcome to summer, everyone. And thank you again, Chris. And next time, yeah, we will be um, covering a little Fred Astaire. I believe it's, is it The Man with Nine Lives, I think is the name of it? Yes, and there is, unfortunately, he is not named Morris in this. Yeah, well. Uh, so this is uh, this is uh, Galactica Chat, part of Avengers Super Train. And we are long past the halfway point, folks. So don't be sad. But um, there's still a lot of Galactica to talk about. So let me, um, let me play, oh, let me play you this. Yeah, I didn't play a theme there, and I didn't play the theme because the show we're about to talk about has a uh, begins with a pilot, and the pilot doesn't really have well, it doesn't have the big theme and opening credits that the rest of the show has. It's sort of like um, uh, the live action Tick from two thousand two thousand one. You know that has the big the big Tick opening where he's leaping around, and you see everybody doing their thing. But in the opening uh, episode, the pilot, you don't get that. The camera's like looking at the stars. You hear the Tick talking. You see the the Tick. I think the name in the sky, and then it pans down, and the Tick's at a bus station, and you see all the names go by one by one. And there's no there's no big theme. So I thought I'd leave out a big theme here. You get a big theme next time um and uh i won't have anybody get in the way of us getting the big theme and i won't have any sort of middlemen bother us with that and in fact the show we're going to be talking about here is um javier griot Marxwatch's the minuteman javier griot Marxwatch's the middleman I probably said that horribly wrong, sir. I apologize. But we are talking about the, um, yeah, the middleman uh, from 2008. Uh, we are talking in this one about the pilot episode Sanction, written by uh, Mr. GM, directed by Jeremy Chechich. And uh, June 16th, 2008. And in this episode, and I won't go too in de- detail into it because we, we, we go in detail into it. And um, I'll surprise you with who the who the new guest host is. Um, uh, but in this one, we meet uh, Wendy Watson, who's a young woman and a, and, and a semi-abstract expressionist painter who's doing a temp job answering phones at a laboratory. And all of a sudden, a um, uh, gigantic tentacle monster attacks her. Um, 
a gentleman shows up, a very calm gentleman, shows up, says he's the middleman, destroys the monster, and leaves. Uh, sometime later, he recruits her to join him, stopping and trying to catch other monsters of the sort because she was so calm and casual when she got attacked by the big tentacled monster. And we meet um, we meet Ida, who is uh, the robot who um, runs uh, runs the office that the middleman works out of. Uh, who else do we meet? We meet um, Lacey who is uh, a Wendy's roommate in their sort of strange loft-like apartment in a warehouse. We meet Noser, who's a guy who hangs out in the hallway of her apartment with an acoustic guitar singing. I think that's... Oh, do we meet? I think we also meet her boyfriend in this one. Uh, we'll talk about him. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, the, the, the basic premise is behind, uh, behind this one is that someone is killing uh, gangsters killing off mob members and I would just give uh, the, the clue that the, the story gives which is a banana peel I'll just leave it at that uh, myself and my new guest host are on the other side of this little burst of non-middleman music the pilot episode sanction episode one of the middleman woohoo brand new old show and I am here with someone you've heard her before I think you know her. I think you love her. It's the great Kiki Wrights, a.k.a. Kristen Hawes. Kristen, what is happening? Oh, not too much, Dan. What's going on with you? Not not much. I'm I'm um I'm I, I'm excited. About this this show was your idea. Would would you? Uh, well, not that the show wasn't your idea. Boy, that would have been great if the show was our idea, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the show was this was your choice. So would you would you would you start off with where did you first see it or how did you learn of it and such? Okay, maybe one day I will pick a show that I don't have a ridiculous backstory for, oh. but this is not that show. <laughs> so, back in the long, long ago of the early aughts when Live Journal was like the thing to do, um, I was on it and I was very involved in fandom back in the day. And one of the fandoms I was involved in was Lost for the first two seasons. I tapped out of that show after that. But um, for the first two seasons, I was into it. And one of the writers for Lost was um, Javier Grillo, Mark's Watch. And I hope I remember to pr pronounce his name correctly. He was on uh, Live Journal, and I friended him, and he friended me back for reasons I don't know. And he ended up leaving Lost and started working on this graphic novel, um, The Middleman. And then later, The Middleman, he talked about it being developed as a TV show for, I think it was ABC Family. And obviously, I'm not big into comics at all mm -hmm. like I've tried I failed I <laughs> they're for other people but I will watch comic book stuff sometimes mm -hmm. and I was obviously going to watch the show just to support my faith my live journal friend yes and because <laughs> that's who I am and mm -hmm. so I watched it and I really really enjoyed it I thought it was a fun show mm -hmm. well fast forward to the now which is a gazillion years later and Somebody retweeted Javier Rio Mark's watch into my timeline on Twitter because that is the the new best place to be. It is my favorite cesspool to swim in, <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I remember this guy from Live Journal, and I loved him. So I started following him again, and he brought up the Middleman, and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I haven't seen that show in ages. Yeah. I loved that show, and so then it came about that we needed another show to talk about. And I said, Oh, this is an excellent excuse mm -hmm. to watch the middleman again. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you acquainted with the show or are you acquainted with the show? 
I, I will say I, I had seen the first episode. I I don't remember how possibly rented it from Netflix, and this would have been this would have been t- t- 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And I think someone recommended it to me and said, Dan, I think you'd like this. I rented it. I watched one episode, liked it, but for some reason, I didn't watch any more. And I think actually what it was is I watched the episode, and I thought, ooh, I'm going to buy this. So I returned the disc, and then I never bought it. But now I'm ready to watch it again. Like as I said, I, I, I remember enjoying the first episode, although I only remembered bits of it when I um, watched it this time. But yeah, it's it's a it's um well well, well let's dive in. Let's let's talk let's talk about the um let's let's dive in. What did you think for for the pilot episode? What did you think of the pilot episode? Well, since I haven't, I also have not seen this show since it aired back in was it 2008? 2008, yes. Yeah. So and I. I have slept and drank since then, so I wasn't <laughs> sure how much of it I remembered. When I think about the middleman, what I do think about is the opening scene in the pilot episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because they waste no time mm-hmm. getting you established to what is going on with that creature coming through the window at Wendy and Wendy besting it until yes. the middleman shows up. I think it's a fun pilot. Yeah. I think it's a good introduction to the series and – it's you there's a lot of stuff that you have to learn like you have the the background stuff so you can find your footing and they only give you like 45 minutes to do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think they did a really great job at that yeah. we get to introduce all of the characters we get an idea of who they are we get it you know we understand the plot and everything what the whole backbone of the series is so and it's a fun ride it's mm-hmm. very um it's very funny i thought yeah, yeah. and it's it can be ridiculous, but it's ridiculous in a way that's like it never loses it, – it never like loses the plot. I mean it's like mm-hmm, – it's mm-hmm. silly, but it's not too silly I guess. I don't know how to put it, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Yeah, I did. I, I really enjoyed it also. I, li- I like the way that it, it does something that shows started to do like in the late 90s, early 2000s. And which is out of control now, which is there there's a bit of serialization, but there's also um a full story going on, you know, so it's like for example i'm uh like I'm watch or like, like some so see take a show like x files where they would have like every five or six episodes they'd have something related to the big mythos, and then the other episodes you wouldn't they wouldn't talk about it, you'd do something else, and then a show like today like I'm watching the flash. The Flash has a big overarching thing, and every episode refers to the overarching storyline, and, and some episodes, like the villains that are in it, are only in it very briefly, and you can't you can't really pick out, like, I'm ha- so I'm halfway through season three of The Flash, and if you were to ask me to pick a favorite episode, eh, I don't know if I actually have a favorite episode. Am I enjoying it? Oh, yeah. I'm having a good time. But everything is so tied into the main story that you can't you can't really they're in chapters more or less and middleman is sort of in that middle ground before that happens and that happens with almost every show now and the sort of um the x-files thing where they would let you have like um the, like the story in this with the with the crazy gangster gorilla guy that's com- it's completely satisfying wonderfully silly good time you get a lot of 
great scenes leading up to the introduction of the character. You get the banana peel. You get all sorts of great stuff. And as you get a satisfying sort of villain, you also get all the introduction of Wendy. You get the middleman. You get Ida. You get um, the Lacey. Lacey, right? Is the the yeah Lacey. Yes. Lacey. You get you get Noser out in the hallway. You get you get all these characters getting introduced, and they get to all do their thing. But it doesn't overwhelm the story that's happening, and that that I really like. I prefer that to um, the way a lot of the the over the way the way stories are told in a lot of TV shows nowadays. Because the the episodes are, I don't quite know how to say it, but they're they're all sort of obviously connected. Uh, as they go along, I mean, uh, for example, in this one, uh, they mentioned Sensei Ping. And he'll show up in a couple episodes, which is awesome when he shows up. You know, they're flying him over, and he shows up in a few episodes. But but it's not one of those things like if you watch the episode Sensei Ping is in, you're you're not completely lost. Like if you didn't watch the first episode, because they make everything clear. Whereas if you were watching a more modern show, they'd have to do like a minute long last last time on the Flash, and they'd have to show clips from like seven or eight episodes to catch you up to what's happening in that episode, which is a little too serialized sometimes for my taste. So I love that this is in that pocket where there's continuity from episode to episode, but each episode gets a strong monster, villain, whatever in it. And the characters build as we go, and they don't do the thing they used to do back in the day where they seem to forget everything they learned. So it's in this this nice pocket, not too serialized, but just serialized enough to keep you watching and enjoying. So I think yeah, and the the episode is filled with funny moments. I was actually going to start writing them down, and I thought, Dan, don't be an idiot. You know, people, people can watch. I mean, we can mention some of our favorite funny moments, but there's so many good lines and so many good gags and asides and everything like that that it's... um. I didn't want it to become like when, when Rob Kelly and I covered Police Squad, and occasionally it would just be me and him going, "Oh, you remember when he says this? Oh, what about this joke?" But um, but yeah, I think I think it's a very strong opening episode, and really at the end of it, you're like, "Okay, what's next? What's next?" So, uh, did I get making my point there? I hope I did. I because <laughs> you, you know you know what I mean. Like back in the day in the '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s, apart from soap operas. Nine, and some of the 90s, apart from soap operas, things weren't serialized in shows like this. You know what oh. I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Okay. I, I didn't, because I got halfway through that. I thought, am I making any sense? But it's like if you watch, like, like if you watch Stranger Things, you know, the season is chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And I haven't seen the latest season of, of Stranger Things, but but I, I don't know if people watch that and go, man, I watched all eight, and episode three was so good. You know, I would think it's like overall. You know, it's so good, or eh, it wasn't, you know, that kind of thing. Tougher to pick a favorite. Right. Because it's one conglomeration, and you can't... I can dive in, if I'm watching Hogan's Heroes, I can pick a random episode and just watch it. Whereas I can't do that with The Flash or Stranger Things or most other shows on at this moment. And Middleman is in the sweet spot where you can, and then go back if you want. Right. Yeah, All no, right. I totally get it. Uh, I totally so get what you mean. That's <laughs> enough of me talking. I'll talk to you all later. No, what 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 are some of your favorite moments in there, or what? Uh... Oh my gosh, I wrote down like so many lines. Okay, yeah, because... maybe. <laughs> and what I did like about it too was that I'm like these because it's who is this Matt Keeler and Natalie Morales that are mm-hmm. the the stars that you they had to talk so fast. Yes. 
they're, they're, I mean, their dialogue is literally, it's like 1930s rapid pace mm-hmm. type stuff. And I'm like, that's how they were the only ones that could get through the, the dialogue at that speed. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, most people don't talk that fast. Yes, it's like it's a, I think yeah, I was thought like a Maddie and David in Moonlighting kind of thing where they would go really really quickly when they would talk. Yeah, yeah. there's so so many great references. In fact, in fact, I'll just say one. Then I I know I asked you a question. I'm I'm cutting you off, but it just occurred to me. There's a great moment where he says to to Wendy, "Do you read comics?" And you know, she said, "I think Jughead is a hoot," which I thought was a great line because at the end he says, "You know what? I think Jughead is a hoot too." Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't think Jughead? Yeah, of Come course. on. And, and But there's a great moment where the, she's naming all the comics, and then she ends with a flash, and he steps forward and says, Barry Allen or Wally West? And she says, are you kidding me? And then that's... And, the, and I, I'm imagining Barry Allen, um, but I, I'm honestly in... in When I grew up with Barry Allen as my flash, and then Wally West came in as I was stopping co- reading comics as, as as a proper flash, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're saying Barry Allen. But that was a fun moment. So I'm sorry, read some of the lines yes. and we'll all laugh. Well, I liked that. Okay, so she gets the, the notice or the message from uh, the fake temp agency. Oh, yes. And it, and she is just going dressed in shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> or long sleeve t-shirt. And, she, and her roommate's like, are you really going like that? And she's like, if, if she's because she said something about I'm all used up for corporate booty kissing. If they want me now, they're shopping in the as is department. And yes. I'm like, <laughs> I have had those days. Yeah. yeah. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah, then, then later on, isn't it? She shows up at is is it this episode where she shows up at the restaurant dressed like that, and um, it's like, oh, this is um, this yes. is a, a, a this is this is um, yeah, this is Agent Watson um, ignoring the dress code again. Hey, this is what you get for me after sundown or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I liked that. Mm. Um, um, yeah, there's just there was just like a bunch. Ida's like my favorite. Ida is Ida's made to be a favorite character because they said she's stuck in like she's some sort of alien robot that got uh, their upgrade stuck on overbearing school marm (laughs) 2.0 or something so they call her like a cranky librarian Mm -hmm. and I wish I could be that cranky at my job Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm borderline sometimes but um, yeah she just like is she doesn't like Wendy Yes. And so she's con- she she says that she's a stoner, so she's she's always making pot references. Yeah, referred spliffs. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he has the great light, when she's okay, Yoda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quiet, Yoda. And then, I mean, yeah, they're they're back and forth. They're just they're mm-hmm. gold. They're just gold. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, the the joy of the show too is it's it's one of those things where there are a lot of pop culture references in their dialogue and in general. I mean, uh, and, and I love the fact that the name of the temp agency is the Jolly Fat Weehawken yes. temp agency. Just because when I heard that, I was like, no way, because everyone knows what's my favorite Jerry Lewis movie, Cracking Up, and what's the airline he takes to go to Tibet to get cured of his um, um, sort of uh, suicidal depression. I know, that doesn't sound like a comedy, but it's Jerry <laughs> Lewis. Uh, he takes the Jolly Fats Weehawken airline. I was like, "Yay!" That was that was great. That was great too. I mean, it is it is loaded, and it's a it's only I think I may like maybe once in a while it might be a little overloaded, but it's never like you don't it, you don't get angry at it. You're just they um they're uh, 
it's because it's it's very yeah like you said the dialogue is very very quick it's very precise they're going they're gone they're throwing out all these pop culture references but they're still moving ahead and telling their story so that so it doesn't get um it never gets bogged down because they're constantly moving forward which i i like i think it's very well written yeah it, it for me it feels like there's nothing ever wasted Yes. Like there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of funny lines and there's a lot of, um, you know, character backstory, but nothing is ever wasted. So mm -hmm. even though we, we meet Lacey and Nozer and, and obviously they're going to be important later in the series the, and in the episode, but it's like, oh, here's her quirky neighbor and here's her quirky um, roommate. But it turns out that, you know, Nozer is useful. Well, his guitar was useful later. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lacey has the hookup to give the gorillas a happy ending at the end. Mm -hmm, yeah. So it's like, yes, we got these odd little bits, you know, the, she'll look at the quirky people in her life, but it wasn't wasted. Nothing mm -hmm. was wasted. I think you also meet the, uh, the boyfriend. Who, Ugh, uh, she should have thrown him out the window. I thought so too. I thought at the end when it looked like they were still kind of together, I thought, no, that's not going to go on. Is it? That can't, that, No. No, no, that's a no. He does. He's very. He's very film studenty because he does. Um, he's doing a film, cinema verite film project where he breaks up with her on camera, but kind of doesn't really. But kind of does, and he's a jerk. And I went to film school, and I know guys exactly like that. Jerks all the way around. It doesn't matter what what decade you're <laughs> in. Jerks. Yeah, I liked. I liked too that even the middleman was like, he's a doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's accurate. That, that was a great and don't don't punch my boyfriend. He's a doorknob, yeah. and don't and don't try to date my don't try to date my roommate. Oh, now that's wrong. I'm yeah. single. I'm available. That was a great. <laughs> that, are you ashamed oh, no, of me? Right. No, that's right. Yes, that's right. I'm single. I'm single. I'm available. Are you ashamed of me? Uh, that's they, the, the thing about the middleman, though, mm. is that because he's very well. She calls him Dudley Do Right, and he is very. Yes. Very precise, very do blind. She gives him hell because he doesn't swear, even though he was a yes. former Navy Navy SEAL. And there's that whole thing where he talks about how swearing is like a some kind of a weakness on the mind or something like that. And then he, they immediately bleep him because yes, yes. <laughs> he sees that the apes escaped or whatever, yes, yes. And, and, which is great. And it's one of those things where it's like he could be very goody two shoes, except mm. he does do things like. Um, swear and when he's interrogating the one yes it's very guy, sledgehammer like it's it's suddenly it's a sledgehammer school of he uh, yeah. keeps smacking his head into the car every time he's like I think I need another drink of milk and just bangs his head <laughs> into the car yes yes I love that's a great I mean that that reminds me of um the very first episode of Sledgehammer where Sledgehammer doesn't have time to beat up a mugger so he has the mugger beat himself up. <laughs> And and, uh, uh, and it's it's also it's it's funny it's funny too with actually they're they're very different characters but but um, there's the mo yeah because um, Sledgehammer is always violent but then he has the moments where like um, like right right in the first episode I think a woman's purse is stolen and the bag the the perp is running down the street and he's sitting in a car and he's talking to Dory Doro he looks up throws his car door open and the guy slams into the car door flips over. And he puts his like foot down on the guy, closes the door, and says, "Stay there, scumbag." Picks up the purse, and he's just glaring at this guy. And this this old woman walks up and says, "Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir." And he hands her the um the purse and just says, "I'm sorry about that, ma'am. This kind of thing just shouldn't happen." 
and then she walks away. It's a really like sweet moment. You're like, where did that come from? Sort of the opposite of the middleman who, when he goes into that bar with all the goombas, you think <laughs> he's going to be in trouble, and then all of a sudden they all come flying out, and then he's got the, you know what? That's that's some good cow juice, and then he takes another <laughs> sip. Pow! It's, it's it's very nice, and then you can see it's 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 very nicely done. Yeah, he's yeah. a doorknob. And it has it has one of my favorite sight gags that scene was he's getting ready to go into the bar and he's like I need you to hold something for me and he goes it decides to go in unarmed and he just mm-hmm. keeps pulling stuff out and putting them in the car seat <laughs> yes, yes. and it's like that is one of those ridiculous almost airplane level sight yeah. gags mm-hmm. but it just works so well and it was just so funny and then she picks up something and he's like be careful with that and he goes in and she like flips the switch and it's like a mini lightsaber <laughs> yes yes that's right and yeah she's totally expecting him to get creamed she tells him so, and he comes out perfectly fine, and you're like, hmm. With a glass of milk, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, um, uh, oh, oh, there's, uh, now, I, I, I've never said her name out loud, but there's an actress in this I really like who's been in a lot of stuff, including Mr. Show, who turns out to be, spoiler, the bad guy in the end. It's Mary Jane, I don't know the, how to pronounce her last name, Rat, Rat, Root, Rat, Rat, Oh, it's, sure. um... Oh yeah, I'm gonna have a go at it and like totally biff it too. But it's Rajska, Rad Raj. I'll say that. You know yeah, what? You, she was Chloe on Twenty Four. Yes. Yes, exactly. And she's in. She was in a lot of great Mr. Show sketches, including Rap the Musical. Rap the Musical, brand new musical about rap without all that darn rap. And it's just a bunch of people singing musical style stuff, rap rap lyrics, but there's no rap in it, so everyone can go and enjoy it. And she has a song where she's in a wheelchair. And she she begins seeing how tough it is to be in a wheelchair. But once she gets a mic and a beat, she can move again. And she slowly gets up from the chair and she starts rap a rap, rap rap rap. And she's not very good rapping, and she's very funny in that. And um, but she she yeah she was in quite a few Mr. Show sketches, which is where I know her. And you can tell in here she's very funny, and yes. she's very good in the episode. Um, uh, let's see. Um. What else? Jeez, there was. A, I'm glad I didn't write down the lines because I'd just be going through all the lines because the doorknob <laughs> and just the way he, just the way he kind of gets so brokenhearted with. Well, I'm single. Yeah. That's not. That, that's not. That's wrong. No, I'm single. I'm available. <laughs> Are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of me? That that killed me every single time he said it. Every time because mm. I watched it twice, obviously before mm. recording it. <laughs> every time he. Are you ashamed of me? I just yeah. cackle. Mm. Oh, oh, let's. Yeah. One other middleman line. Because, again, you don't expect, because he's the straight and narrow, the upright, Dudley Do-Right character. You don't expect him to be as funny as he is. Mm-hmm. And at one point, oh, when he was talking about Wendy not being in dress code for, you know, uh, coming to work at the restaurant. And she's like, it's bad apples like you that put Mr. Hoover in a dress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a great line, yeah. That was great, but you don't expect him to be that funny. You don't expect him to say stuff like that. <laughs> uh, the um, what is it when when she swears and he's he's talking to her and he says, uh, "Did you talk to your mother with that mouth? Garbage mouth." <laughs> yes, yes. You kiss your mother with that mouth. Garbage mouth. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's. Re- I mean, it's really good. It's it's it it it. It really cooks, and like like you said, it starts off with a great scene where she's at what is she? She's at A and D Industries scrambling your DNA. Yes. And she's talking to her mom on the phone, who's constantly 
telling her to stop doing art and 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 get married and have a bunch of kids and then you just see behind her like all hell breaking loose in the laboratory and this gigantic monster leaps out and it's a it's very it's very nicely done it's very quickly done and then the middleman shows up and you're like what and then we go right into it and um it's 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 quite a, i mean i um I would have been proud to write something like this. I think this is just just gorgeously written and well put together. It's directed by the guy, forgive me, who did Christmas Vacation and other things. But Jeremiah Chechik? I've never said the name either. But um, yeah, it's directed by the him, and he does a good job with it. He's got he's got the gags down, and he's able to to keep all the dialogue moving and moving, and it's never it's 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 I don't think it's ever too much. Like I said, every once in a while it gets close to being a little slightly overstuffed, but it never gets there. I think because just because every once in a while, sort of the the references and the kind of sly insults back and forth, there were one or two moments where I thought, ah, no, we didn't go, we didn't we didn't go like overboard. No, Which and can he, even can the the main uh, I guess mystery of it that. Because it, it, it is very comic booky. It is mm-hmm. a evil scientist who's going to try to take over the world with genetically engineered intelligent apes, and they're all connected to this computer mainframe, and that's how she controls them. Mm-hmm. And she's eliminating gangsters to steal their money because the government cuts her funding because they're not interested in super intelligent apes, which the whole time that she's explaining this when she's not being a bad guy mm-hmm. in the first introduction. When she's explaining this, and she's talking about the super intelligent apes, and you know, oh, he's being trained to go into space or whatever like that, and Wendy's like, because that's a problem that needed solving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and even when um, uh, when they show the ape uh, painting, it took us took us ages to get him to stop drawing those soup cans. <laughs> and then and then Wendy says something about the style of art, and the scientist is just like, oh, art snob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, he, and and I think if I remember correctly, the middleman as he's there's a great moment where they're lowering themselves into the laboratory, and Wendy's rope gets cut, and she just drops and hits the ground, and then the scientist shows up and they're, they're holding her um, captive, and the middleman calls um, the scientist Blofeld, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's um, yeah. I don't know. It's it, um, it. It can, it can. The reason why I didn't write down lines, like I said, is I didn't want it to be me just quoting my favorite lines, because I think if 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 you don't know of this show, there are twelve episodes. Um, this one's a joy. I can't imagine it suddenly goes to crap with episode two. I imagine it's pretty darn strong throughout, and it's just which one you know which episode is the best or something like that. But this is a this is a strong pilot. It tells the story quick. It pulls you in. It leaves you just enough mystery. So you, you you get to the end and you really don't know anything about you know the middleman was a Navy SEAL and such, but you really don't know much about him, and you really don't know much about Ida or where they work. And sometimes it seems like they don't know uh, what they're doing or where they work. Doesn't he say something like, "I got hired"? by the previous middleman the same way we brought you on. Yeah. And they brought me to the hideout or the place and Ida was there along with a lot of weapons and gadgets and then every once in a while a new box of weapons and gadgets shows up. Yeah. And and so there's just this wonderful um it's 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 it's, it's it it doesn't um it it it's just basically these two strange people 
one of whom is an android, get joined by this woman who is, um, she's got her own bits of strangeness to her. I quite like Wendy. I, I, I do I, too. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Natalie Morales, who um, I've seen in a bunch of things, and I actually I saw her. It was funny. I saw we watched Parks and Rec um, about a year and a half ago, and she's on that in one of the seasons. I forget her character, but when she shows up, it was funny. The first thing I thought was, where do I know her from? And it was from watching that episode of The Middleman. Like, the moment I looked her up, I saw a picture of her on the phone with the giant monster against the window. And I was, oh, her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, that opening scene is memorable. Mm-hmm. It just sticks in your head. Perfect opening scene. And then, it is. And then, you know, um, apes or, or gorillas with, with guns dressed <laughs> as monsters. <laughs> That's oh good God. stuff. Yeah, the gorilla in the tracksuit. Yes, oh, my was, gosh. I great. laughed so yeah, hard. Is, yeah, this is, I mean, because obviously this is the decade of The Sopranos, so so I, I don't know if The Sopranos was done at this point, but I think it was either close to done or, or, or almost done. I, I should have looked. But yeah, it's very, very goomba, very, 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 very funny, very funny. And I think it's great, too, because they do, they do the thing, um, which I like, too, with like the... When at the two sites of the of the shootings of all the mobsters, there's the banana peel clue, and when you see it the second time, you know exactly what's going on. But the first time, you're thinking, is someone going to slip on that, or what's going on? And then when it happens the second time, you're like, okay, wait a minute, and then it turns out to be one who might be eating uh, bananas and leaving it as a calling card. That would be the gorilla. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's um. I'm, I'm going to stop talking about it because I think I think it's an excellent um, opening episode for a TV uh, show like this. And I was surprised that it, it aired on, like you said, like ABC Family or whatever. But it does have like the uh, the the gorillas at like a strip club. Yes. Now, not now, not that there's a naked lady. There's a mostly clothed lady like spinning around the pole, and they have the scene where they're all swearing up a storm, but it's all getting bleeped out. I thought that looks a little. Uh, it seems that seems a little hardy for ABC Family. Although I don't know what families ABC wants to bring in. So probably mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are all kinds of different families, folks. Yes. Some of us swear. Some of us swear. Uh, what else do you have on this one? Feel free if you got if you got another line to read it. Um. Okay. So. She says some. Wendy says something. I only watched. I only wrote down part of this line. Damn it! Uh, but it says something about being recruited to join the paramilitary version of Amway, and oh, yeah. of course, I laughed my ass off at that line because <laughs> a, you're gonna be, a, you're gonna have to be of a certain age to get that, and b, yes. my grandparents actually were part of Amway for a while. <laughs> that is the only reason why I ever got to go to Florida was because I tagged along on one of their quote business trips. So. <laughs> 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 like the... That line stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I think maybe maybe with the next episode uh, we can talk more about um, L- Lacey. Am I? I I'm, yes. I'm kind of, Lacey. yes, Lacey, and we can throw some more Noser in there. I do like Noser because Noser's thing is um, is just sitting in the hallway with his guitar, asking asking Wendy about uh, asking Wendy questions which are song related. Yes. And then she responds, and it's quite, it's quite, it's quite nice. It's quite lovely. Yeah. So. Um, I do have one little bit about Noser, the guy who plays Noser. Oh yeah. Is uh, Jake Smollett, and he's one of the many Smollett siblings who act because there is uh, quite a few of them apparently. One of them is Journey Smollett, and she was Dinah Lance, aka Black Canary, in the Birds of Prey movie. Oh wow. So wow. comic book shows and movies, I yes. guess, run in their family. That's cool. 
Oh. Uh, so that was the first episode of Minimum. Do you have anything else? I mean, are you, we probably got more lines we could do. And next time, next time I'll, I'll write down some lines. But no, excellent, excellent pilot. Loved it. Can't wait to watch the rest of the series. Excellent. All right. So where can we find you online? You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. It is the home of my podcast, uh, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. Yay. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter like Javier Griot-Markswatch does, you can do that <laughs> at Kiki Writes. Yay. All right. So that is... Uh, episode one, and we will be back next time with more middleman action. Listen to this. And that's episode 129. Have one. Welcome the middleman and Kristen to, uh, to the fold. I think it's going to be a good time. I think it's a fun show. Like I said, I, I don't think it's going to devolve into nothing but police squad style. Isn't this bit great? Isn't that bit great? But it might. And people actually really seem to like that as much as I say maybe we shouldn't do that. So. Don't listen to me. So what What are we? Where are we? We're online. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Eventually at eSupertrain1 on Twitter, Eventually Supertrain on Facebook. Um, but you're already listening to us, so I won't tell you where to find us, uh, to listen to us. Danny Slacks at Yahoo.com. You can write to me if you so choose about the podcast, or you can just message me on, on social media. It's probably easier. Um but anyway, that's about it. That yeah, that's a new episode. We got a brand new show going, and next time we'll have an, another round of the middleman, another uh, visits to um, uh, the tales of the gold monkey, and we will be bringing on a very famous hoofer to Battlestar Galactica. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Be good to yourself. Listen to this. Talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.